Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and the Seahawks have have picked a little bit earlier than we were expecting today as they traded up with the New York Jets, giving up their first of their second round choices along with their late third round compensatory pick. They move up and they select a pass rusher, edge rusher, Daryl Taylor out of Tennessee. And joining us here to talk about it, Alistair Corp of Field Goals. Alistair, it's something that I think Seahawks fans were expecting to address the defensive line on the in the first round of the draft. They end up doing it with their first pick in the second round, and they trade up to get Daryl Taylor out of Tennessee. What are your thoughts on the pick? I uh, it's, it's one of those picks that as soon as you hear it, it's like the just an, a wave of excitement washes over you. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of criticism last night and some of it rooted in like they've lost their way. You know, they're drafting a guy who's not going to displace any of their starters, blah, blah, blah. This is like a pure Seahawks pick. He's an athletic freak. He tries so hard. Like he is a, yeah, he, <laughs> I, I just wish that he got a chance to test the combine because he would have blown the roof off that thing. Um, and yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm totally pumped. And yeah, it, like you said, it just, it fills the need that they hadn't filled yesterday. So it's, it's super exciting. Um, I, I kind of anticipated them moving up, whether it was for a pass rusher or a receiver, kind of despite their, their lack of picks today, just because it felt like, you know, they still needed to land that one or two more impact players. And they did that here. I think it, it's a, a supremely exciting pick. I'm, I'm pumped about it. Yeah, the funny thing is, is if they would have taken Daryl Taylor in the first round, I think people would have said, you know, that is probably a reach in the first round, but it makes sense. And that's what the Seahawks tend to do. So I think that uh, fans probably wouldn't have, uh, I guess they would have been more accepting of that pick just because it with it being a need at the end of the first round. But instead, now they go out and they get him here. So, you know, they do this every year, whether you swap picks and you go, okay, well, ultimately, after you start to see how it shapes up, it starts to make some sense. And yeah, with with Daryl Taylor, the things that jump off the board to me as being extremely uh, a Seahawks type of player, I go right to the pass rush win rate which how much, you know, that measures how much success a pass rusher has. And he's right up there at 19%, which is among the top defensive ends in the class this year. Yeah. And I think, you know, that tells a a good story about his game because his his kind of traditional production was harmed just by kind of missing games, um, you know, at at a decent rate. But when he played, he was so impactful. Um, And I think in a way similar to how he didn't get the chance to test the combine, like him not getting to play at the senior bowl, is helping Seattle because I think he would have boosted his stock a lot. Um, and yeah, you made a great point there. And, that, and that's something I thought about kind of as I was, you know, decompressing yesterday after it all settled where like, okay, if they come away with tomorrow, like, you know, say they draft Denzel Mims and a pass rusher. And then, you know, had the order been Mims, pass rusher, Brooks, would would all of us be all that worked up about it? No. Um, so they're filling their needs and uh, they're so efficient with trading back that, you know, we, we may take issue with, with the value they get. But I'll always put a lot of faith in John Schneider's ability to kind of maneuver the draft board um, in a way that that keeps them in range to get the guys that they want. And, and I think that they did that both last night, uh, you know, as surprised as we were. And then I think they did it again today. Um, people, I, I saw some people kind of a little annoyed with the fact that they traded up, but, but they didn't trade up for no reason. Like they, they traded up because if they didn't trade up, they were going to miss out on this player and they wanted this player. And, uh, I think it's going to pay off in a major way. Yeah. When I saw trading up, I thought if they go offensive line, if they go defensive line, really at this point, uh, there's there's needs on both those sides to address. And, and really, that's where I was expecting them to go in the first round as well. So 
Uh, they they go with Taylor here. And looking at just some of his stats over the past years, in 2019, he had seven sacks, uh, 34 quarterback hurries, two batted passes. He was 13 run stops, although he's ranked a little bit lower when you look at his pro football focus run grade. He's down around in the 60s, but his pass rush grade, 87.5. So as Seahawks fans, you got to like to see that. And then, you know, he's a guy that kind of built on his stats throughout the year in college, uh, four sacks in 2017, eight sacks in 2018, and then uh, you mentioned that he he did miss some time, but had the seven sacks in 2019. But also looking at his grades, he graded higher in each of those years as well. Yeah, exactly. And he's a guy that, you know, I, I'm going to bet on his continued development. Like he he did produce at a decent rate in college. But I think that, you know, he, he's going to peak in, in a couple of years time in the NFL. Um, you know, I, one of my immediate reactions was like, this is kind of like that Frank Clark pick as far as. You saw the physical tools. You saw some production in college, but you know you're going to put all that together in the NFL, and you're going to get a really, really good player. And and when that happens, it's going to be really, really good value because you know he'll end up giving you kind of top twenty production, but you're getting him at you know pick pick forty eight. Yeah, pick forty eight. So that that's great. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a relief. I was starting to get a little stressed there, um, and and. <laughs> I won't lie. I was I was very nervous when they made that move up because I started to go, God, who is it for? Um, yeah, I was really nervous about Aquara. That was kind of the one that I was I was afraid of. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very content with the direction they went in here. Um, just a great job on this one. Well, you did make the Frank Clark comparison. That's one that I have heard in the past. Looking at Pro Football Focus as Mike Renner, he compared him to Brian Arakpo. So another nice comparison there. Uh, and one of the things that he says about Taylor, he says, if you watch even a little bit of Taylor, you know that the long arm bull rush is his calling card. So it kind of takes you back to Frank Clark and, and his college time. Uh, he works a number of different moves off of it that complement each other, maybe a little bit different from Clark, because that was <laughs> I think the criticism of Clark is that he had the one move uh, and that he didn't really build off him. So uh, he has a step up on him there. And so Renner goes on to say with his length and explosiveness, that's a great starting point for a prospect. The reason being is because the bull rush strikes fear into opposing offensive linemen, they can take a completely different approach when it's no threat of a bull. With it, though, Taylor can set up a number of different pass rushing moves. It's one of the biggest reasons we saw his pass rushing grading improve significantly as his career went on. Yeah, I think that that's like an excellent, excellent uh, snapshot of the player. I mean, he makes a good point as far as the bull rush goes, because, you know, he is like an absurd physical freak. But I don't think that we got to see that or we haven't seen it yet as far as kind of a get off goes. You know, he does show that flexibility in turning the corner. But if you can start to threaten the edge on a consistent basis and, you know, he has that nasty long arm. And if you can start to see him convert speed to power, um, you know, he's going to have like a pretty varied skill set. And he's just going to be an impossible pass rusher to, to game plan for because he can beat you in a number of ways. Um, and then it's not just the technical ability. It's also the athletic ability. Like he he definitely has the makings of, of a really, really complete player. Um, another comparison I saw before I hopped on here was Darius Smith, which I think is an awesome comparison mm. because, um, you know, the length is a little bit deficient as far as, you know, I think Zadarius Smith, you know, you started to see him reduced inside this year and that's where his, his numbers exploded. I don't know that you'll ever be to ever be able to do that with Taylor. Right. Um, but like the tools are all there. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's an awesome, awesome snapshot of the player. Um, and yeah, I just keep going back to the idea that like the player that they're drafting isn't the player that he's going to be for them in two years. Like he's going to develop into something, something pretty special. I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about him. 
Well, and it kind of seems that way just when you look at uh, some of the criticisms of him, too. Uh, you know, obviously, if he were a, a, an amazing guy, he would have gone in round one. Uh, some of the the negatives against him say his athleticism is good, but not great. Um, and and whereas I think you look back to Frank Clark and, you know, he had that top shelf athleticism coming out of college. Another one of the criticisms is that he never went against left tackles. You know, he's always going up against on the right side. So not having a whole lot of versatility, I guess, on the on the line. And one of the other criticisms that his motor leaves a little bit to be desired and uh, a lot of rushes where he's sitting on blockers. So, you know, just looking at his alignment too, you, you talked a little bit about Zadarius Smith and how he moved inside and, and Taylor in college was always, a, well, really for the most part, an outside the tackle type pass rusher lined up a little bit off the ball, but uh, you know, over the tackle and, and inside just to combine five snaps. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very curious as to where they uh, where they envision him. Like that's where I'm really glad that they're still able to do these these post draft press conferences every day because, um, you know, I think the 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 gut reaction is you know he'll be a Leo, but he's got like the frame and and the strength to be a decent five tech. So I think they have some flexibility there, which is great because um, you know I think when when Rasheem Green was drafted, it was kind of like okay, there's your five tech, but then you know his strength hasn't developed to a point where he can necessarily play that in base. So maybe he's the leo and then you can have taylor play the five tech so i think they have you know some intriguing young rushers where you can almost kind of figure out where each one is best suited and end up with a lot of flexibility and, and depth which is not something that we really anticipated even as as early as you know or at, you know an hour ago but right. now i'm now i'm pretty interested as far as the roster construction goes because yeah they have a lot of uh, varied skill sets and, and then it goes even like lj collier might still end up at three tech so you know, they have a lot of uh, interesting young pieces at defensive line, some better than others. But uh, I don't think that we know where where half of these guys are going to end up, which is like endlessly fascinating for sure. Yeah, a lot of flexibility, even listening to Pete Carroll in the post first round press conference. Uh, he didn't sound like he he totally knew exactly where they were going to slot in uh, their line, their new linebacker either Brooks. Yeah, that was true. I was talking with Maddie Brown during that press room. We were kind of going nuts. We're like somebody just ask him where he they envision him. <laughs> like, you know, the more I was watching him today, because I think I only watched like a game and a half of him before the draft. Because I mean, honestly, I just didn't. He didn't strike me as somebody they would be be interested in. But um, then we were watching him. And I was like, yeah, he he just really strikes me like he's going to play the strong side. You know, he he's really good kind of blitzing. Um, and so we kept kind of wondering, like, can you ask, can you ask, can you ask? And we just never got that question. So I think it's going to be one of those things. And then our training camp is impacted by everything's going on. You know, it might be some of these questions are going to hang over us and for like several months, which um, is going to lead to a lot of speculation, which which is fun. So it's all right. Yeah, I think if we get that answer of, uh, you know, if they end up cutting KJ right because of salary cap, then I think we have our answer there. But if they stick with it as is, you know, Michael Kendrick's maybe not coming back. Then we might have our answer there too, and uh, but there's also Cody Barton still on the team, so it is kind of difficult to maybe make that projection. And of course, Pete Carroll's always going to say, you know, the competition's on, which is kind of the mantra of the offseason. Yeah, of course, for sure. I think, uh, yeah, the the right uh, the right future is is really interesting to me. You know, I I didn't expect him to get cut, but now maybe he's a little bit more more uh, expendable but yeah i think i think if cage right gets cut then it would be kind of cody barton sliding into his role and i would hope that you know for me i think brooks is like easiest path to the field as a rookie is, is on the strong side and then you know i was looking at today like kendrick's rushed on about 20 percent of his 
his snaps last year. And, you know, he did have three, three and a half sacks, but he left a lot on the field. And I think Brooks will be more productive in that role. So, you know, they're, they're slowly piecing together an extra, you know, eight to 10 sacks next year through, through Brooks and now through uh, Taylor. So they're getting there. And now I'm really curious where they're going to go the rest of today because you know there's still a couple holes and now they have a little bit less ammo so i wouldn't really be surprised to see them punt out of today like all together and try to accumulate some more picks for tomorrow you know that would it wouldn't shock me if that happened but you know the way that things are going in this offseason and with just some of the clues that pete carroll's given us it wouldn't shock me that they just don't come away with all that many picks this year so let's take a quick break alistair we'll come back and maybe talk about some of the surprises from the first part of the second round for you and talk about who one of the picks that the Rams got, so one of our division rivals. Let's talk about that coming up next. Alistair Corp of Field Goals joining me on the show, talking about the second round of the NFL draft. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's maybe been a little bit surprising is the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles take Jalen Hurts, quarterback out of Oklahoma, when backup quarterback or, you know, competition for starting quarterback, probably not a place that a lot of Eagles fans were looking at. Yeah, it was definitely I think it's the most shocking pick of the draft so far to me. Um, You know, I was uh, quite a big supporter of Wentz up until 2019, and that kind of shook my confidence. I mean, I think that was probably made worse just because the game the Seahawks played there in week 10 was probably the worst game of Wentz's career like he couldn't he couldn't hit anything um but yeah to see them go quarterback so early especially like everything that Howie Roseman does trying to build that team seems to be like win now um and so I'm very very shocked by it and I cannot wait to hear kind of their explanation for it um especially there's always these kind of whispers that Wentz is still a little bit bothered by you want to call it the ghost of Nick Foles floating around the facility and now to have you know, a prominent draft pick in the house, in the building. I wonder what that's going to be like. So that's a fascinating, fascinating decision for sure. I, you know, I, as much as I like Hertz as a person, I, I just don't see him competing for that starting position. He just, he seems like a backup quarterback. So it is kind of an interesting win now type of pick for the Eagles to me. But uh, another player that we watched go off the board right ahead of Jalen Hertz Cam Akers running back out of Florida State going to the L.A. Rams. So a a division rival pick there. Yeah, that's a uh, I hate to say it, but it's it's an awesome pick for the Rams. Um, If we can just put, you know, the question of of positional value aside for a second, you know, Todd Gurley's so good at slashing and pressing the edge, turning the corner. And that's what Cam Akers does best. So if you're looking for kind of like a like for like replacement for Todd Gurley, like they got it. Um, So I don't think they'll have to do they, they won't have to change what they do much. Um, and I'm very curious what that means for Daryl Henderson, who they drafted last year, because right. I thought he was kind of looking at an expanded role. Akers comes in and he's an immediate impact starter for them. Well, one thing about the pick, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State was still on the board when they took Cam Akers. Dobbins was a guy I liked a lot more. So I was when, when they went running back, I was happy to see that it was Akers and not Dobbins. But Dobbins ends up going a few picks later to Baltimore. So I feel like uh, that pick makes them a little bit better, too. And we had uh, another running back go earlier on as DeAndre Swift went to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, just as uh, <laughs> I thought these Lions fans dodged a bullet last night when they took Akuda instead of instead of Derek Brown. And then they come back today and they draft a running back uh, two years after drafting Karon Johnson. I just I <laughs> these poor Lions fans that the Patricia Bob Quinn regime cannot get out of town quick enough for them because I mean, they've been through like a lifetime of misery and it's it's just continuing under this regime. It's brutal. I, f- I feel horrible for them. 
I like what the Dolphins are doing day two. They get Robert Hunt at the 39th overall pick, number seven in the second round. And then they take Raekwon Davis out of Alabama right ahead of the Rams. So I'm glad that the Rams didn't have the opportunity. That was the thing that I, I just yesterday seeing Isaiah Simmons go to the Arizona Cardinals and then watching Javon Kinlaw go to the 49ers. I, I'm kind of glad that there, there wasn't one of these. And we'll see where the Rams end up going. Maybe they, they go a defensive line as well. But I, I kind of feel like uh, I don't need to see any more defensive linemen going to the Rams. Yeah, that's I've had enough Rams defensive linemen for a lifetime because they just seem to be con- consistently stocked there. Um, I hadn't even considered the Raekwon Davis possibility, which would have been horrifying. But yeah, the, the Dolphins are killing it. And I think they still have 10 picks left. So they went into this full-blown tank, but I don't know how much longer it's going to last because they just keep adding talent and it's talent that should make an impact like right away. So they are a fascinating, fascinating team. And uh, yeah, th- this past year couldn't have gone off better for them. You know, they ended up landing Tua after all and they didn't have to move up to get him. So they got to be totally pumped with how this is shaking out. Yeah, especially with Tom Brady out of the division now. That's perhaps the best move of all that uh, works out in the Dolphins' favor. Yeah, you got now you have to worry about Josh Allen and there's uh yeah, I'm I'm not worried about Josh Allen if I'm a Dolphins fan. So so they should they should be feeling good. Well, before we get on out of here, you know, the, the Daryl Taylor pick, one it was kind of interesting just in the sense that, you know, the fourth edge player, if you go by how the NFL.com categorizes the edge players in the draft, and uh the fourth pick of the entire draft ends up going off to the the Seattle Seahawks. So the Atlanta Falcons, one pick ahead of them. Uh, one of the more interesting edge guys going to the Falcons with Marlon Davidson out of Auburn going there. And then Clavon Chason going in the second round, of course, of the Jaguars and Yutor uh, Gross Matos going to the, the Panthers in the second round. And I know there are some Seahawks fans that were, as for a player that was mocked so much to the Seahawks, I think there are a lot of Seahawks fans that just didn't seem all that excited about Gross Matos. For me, I think it kind of just from like fatigue from him being mocked the entire time. Um, <laughs> he was a person that I watched really, really early on in the process. He's just such an obvious fit. And so I kind of I went back a couple weeks ago and just like rewatched him. And again, it was still like, yeah, no, this makes all the sense in the world. So I didn't really agree with the pushback against him, but I guess we should have known, you know, he was the popular pick, so he was never going to be the pick. And uh, I ended up with, with Daryl Taylor and, and that's OK with me. Well, I keep on stalling because I keep seeing that the Rams next pick of round two is in. And I, I, I kind of just want to see who it is before we get on out of here, Alistair. I'm a little bit worried that it might be Zach Bond. We're talking about getting him another defensive lineman. And uh, unless he's gone while we've been on here, he's still out there. And he's uh, I think he could do some interesting things for him. I mean, we've seen uh, a 40 year old Clay Matthews benefit from playing with Aaron Donald. We've seen Dante Fowler get paid for playing alongside him. So, oh, there we go. If we want to hear it, it's uh Florida wide receiver Van Jefferson. So I guess they got their their Cooks replacement, essentially. Yeah, interesting. I, I did like Jefferson, too, as a, as a pass catcher. So um, I would have been happy with him going to the Seahawks. And at least it's not a defensive lineman. Yeah, they seem <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, they seem so content to just trade high draft picks for for veterans. So I do wonder if they may be one of those teams that kind of sniffs around Trent Williams afterwards, even though they have they have Andrew Whitworth in theory, but they need to do something to beef it up because, yeah, Goff needs time to throw, like you said, and then poor Cam Akers is running behind awful, awful offensive lines for a couple of years now. So the poor guy's going to he's going to go crazy if he doesn't get some offensive line help uh, as soon as possible, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of offensive line, there's still a lot of guys on the board. So maybe this is where the Seahawks go next. Maybe they stay on the defensive side of the ball. We will see, and we will have a show for it exclusively 
for the Seahawks next pick. So stay tuned and subscribe to the show if you are not already. SBNation.com slash NFL podcast. Alistair, really want to thank you for coming on. And we will check out your work at FieldGoals.com over the weekend. Going to be a lot going on this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely keep on checking back because I know we will be pumping out the content on every pick. So thanks for having me on. Stay tuned. More to come. And until then, go Hawks.